You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 103 covering The Host and Mind's Eye with Rob Humphreys. Friends, we're back! And speaking of people who are back, our pal Beave has not been here for, oh, I don't Ion. know, seven weeks or something. I don't know. It hasn't been too At long, least. but it's been too long. Beav. Many a long episode. What's that? I haven't been here for many a long episode. No, you were here for, oh, uh, the season three, like, kicking off when it things was. started not sucking. That one with Kelso. Right, Dr. Oh, yeah. Kelso, of course. How could we the forget? Ba- the baseball episode. <laughs> Well, it could be worse. It could be Beverly falling in love with... Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> could be worse. And you volunteered for this week, huh? Oh, boy. Well, actually, that's that's Matt's grenade to jump on. Yeah, at so. least he didn't volunteer for that episode. Well, neither did you. I never volunteer for episodes. I just take what I'm given. <laughs> no, when it's just between you and I, we say, which one do you want? Oh, well, yeah, that's true. I usually give you first crack unless, you know... Unless I want to make you really suffer. Want the episode. Right. That that's Matt's Beverly to jump on. Right. I would actually be okay with jumping on Beverly. As she is now? Not what as she is now. I don't know. If she, I didn't, saw... if she didn't talk. Well, that's fair. We're about, getting we're getting a little creepy Wesley. here. Well, okay, that's better. <laughs> Very good. Well, Matt, why don't you uh tell us all about the host? Why don't I tell you all about I don't know, the give host. me some reasons why you can't. Uh, a host of reasons. Well, my failing Lord. computer usually is a good enough reason to not do stuff. Well, well, you're you're up and running now, so yes. uh, right. I I can only assume the host is about Wink Martindale. So tell us about that, won't you? All right. So Wink Martindale. Yes. <clears throat> Somewhere in space, two moons are angry at each other, and the Enterprise is on the case, delivering much-needed ambassador Odan to save the day. Much needed by Doctor Crusher's vagina, as <laughs> the two have been banging like the porch swing in Evil Dead. Odan is a trill, a species who will be completely changed when they become one of the main characters on my beloved DS9. On my beloved DS9, but right now they're new, bumpy, and we aren't supposed to know that they are a race of sentient tapeworms, which is a reoccurring nightmare I've had, by the way. So Bill takes Odan over to this over to the planet in a shuttlecraft, and they are attacked by Moon Men, and Odan gets harpooned. Odan's host dies, but Bever manages to save the tapeworm and sticks it in Bill, creating Bildan, the worm that dreamed of legging up. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bill is rejecting Odan, like so much toe being used to replace a thumb. <laughs> also, Bill Dan tries to resume his sexy moves on Bever, but she's never gone for Troy's sloppy seconds, so that doesn't work out. Until eventually it does. Anyway, the moon people have peace, and Odan gets removed from Riker and placed into a new host. A lady, but a lady, but Beverly dumps her ass before the show gets too sexy. Her loss. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed looking through your notes that you were just really bugged by how different the Trill were in this episode than they were later. Yeah, I kind of really was for some reason, and I, I, I didn't want to be that angry about it. Well, and you can't, you, you know, by rights, by the exactly. rules we're playing by, no you can't be really. no excuse to be angry about it either. Yeah, you, you, you can't yet. You don't, technically you don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just like, that's not right. Why do they look like that? Well, I know. Stop it! <laughs> I thought they were kind of, they were kind of dumb looking. Yeah. I like the, it. Uh, Okay. The moon people were neat. Yeah, those were actually yeah, better they, aliens they, than we usually see. There was a lot of work see. put into those moon people. Yeah. No, I I was happy because they weren't just people with bumps on their head. Like, like uh, it's actually Odon, Mike, because... <laughs> Mike. Don and Mike. Uh, it's actually <laughs> Odon, Matt, because uh, Beave and I both made the same uh, the same stupid note. Oh, Don. <laughs> oh, Don. Yeah. 
Let me say it differently. Or, or oh, Don! Right. Oh, that's terrible. Dan, Don, <laughs> same difference. Dan. Yeah. So, uh, and you, I, I thought he looked like he had the McDonald's arches over his eyes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they, you know, those are the lazy alien designs that bug me. Just the little, uh, let's put a bump on your forehead and you're an alien. Off you go. Yeah, and, and I don't know who the actor is, but he was a very, very, very 90s. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. he was. Holy crap. He was really from his time. He With had his, his 90s hair. He had that early 90s Dennis Miller hair. Yes. That, you know, you, you just know he, he lifts one hand and flips the back of it and goes, ha, ha. Yep. That's what you do with that kind of hair. Slightly deep voice, trying to be too sexy. Right. Yeah. a little too much. Yeah. Really doesn't want to get off on a rant. No. <laughs> but that's just his opinion, Matt. He could be wrong. That's true. Uh, why don't you tell me your opinion about your good thing? That's a good segue. I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah. Let's just keep calling attention to them. I will. Right. Okay, so this is the first time we see the Trill, like I said. And for all the stuff that isn't right in this episode regarding them and all the stuff that's going to change later when we have a Trill cast member, uh, they do get one thing right. The Trill parasite looks fucking awesome. Yeah, the, the, the little worm thing does look cool, although it's giant. It is a huge-ass, like, intestinal worm with, like, weird sort of black light glow-in-the-dark bits on it. Mm -hmm. And I just every – you see it for, like, about five seconds while it slips into Riker's gut. Right. And I just had to go, that's so cool and revolting. Well, but it's like the size of his head. I can't imagine yeah. where it goes when yep. it crawls into his body. Yeah, my my first thought was, that's never going to fit in anybody's ear. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Khan trying to cram one of those into Chekhov. Yeah, just get a funnel. The giant, the giant bulbous part still sticking out of Chekhov's head. Yeah, wiggling out of the Nothing, I am fine. <laughs> Nothing to see here. He's back on the ship with it sticking out of his head, ignoring it. It's just sort of, it's just sort of limply flapping about. Nobody looks at Chekhov anyway. The only reason Sulu notices is because he, you know, looks over from time to time. Oh Jesus, my. what is that? There's a thing on your head, Pavel. Did that Russian guy get a different haircut? Nah, he's always had pretty terrible hair. I don't know. Didn't you get shot once? <laughs> over and over and over again. I love guns. <laughs> well, he sure I had does. one right now. <laughs> Uh, no, I I did like that thing, and I like in general. Well, we, we'll get to that. Uh, let's let's talk about your bad thing, and it's not actually uh, retroactively bad from DS Nine. I know. No, it's not. Um, it's a tough one, and I kind of want to make sure I'm explaining it right. Uh, I think Bever dumping uh, Odan just because he'd become a woman doesn't really fit in with Jean's ideal future. We've theoretically moved beyond the point where we really care about people's gender. If you know, if the person's if the person's the same gender as us, and I just I feel like it's a cop out having Bever give up this guy that she's very clearly in love with, just because she has girl boobs boobs now. Now, to the episode's credit, uh, when she explains herself to Girl Dan, she never says it's because he's a lady now, and only that she can can't deal with the constant changes. But she got over her unwillingness to bang Bill Dan pretty quick, and she was perfectly willing to hook up with Odan until she saw his new girl bits. I don't know, it just, it doesn't feel right to me somehow, and not just because I want to see two attractive ladies make out. Well, the argument that she gives is, I can't handle this. You changed, and then you changed it again, and I just, I can't deal with it. Yeah. I bought that. I didn't buy that she was weaseling out of being with a woman. I, I can see reading that into it. I don't think you're wrong. And, and Beeve, I think you agree with uh, yeah, Matt's that, assessment. That's, is that right? It's a good argument. That, that, her that reason, as, as she stated, mm -hmm. is a good argument. Mm -hmm. but, but you think that's entire, a smokescreen? The entire first part of the episode is spent establishing how hetero Beverly is. That's a good like, point. She tells like a thirty-minute story to Deanna in one of the awful scenes they have together about <laughs> about this life she had with a little boy when she was a little girl, and right. it went on and on about. 
basically how much she loves the wiener. And um, and then later, uh, it's just established multiple times. I think even opening with her having the kid is uh, with uh, Wesley's story. Yeah, is just, just reminding us. To the by the way, I've ha- I have a kid. She has a kid with a man. I but uh, I know a lot of that stuff wasn't said, but I still felt like it was kind of heavy-handed establishing that, which you know honestly is a real thing, and there's not a problem with that. But I still think they should have. She loved him in her full 20 days. I mean, she took the full 20 days to get to love him. Sure. And uh, if she had, um, uh, sorry, if she had tried mm-hmm. and then couldn't do it, that could have been carried out through a couple episodes just yeah. in the background. Well, and that I'm, would have been really great character stuff. The problem with this show is, as we've pointed out before, is they weren't allowed to do serialization for the most part. And a lot of that sort of thing would be better like that, but they just they weren't allowed. And I think in this case, they actually did a nice workaround because it was like, usually we see someone falling in love in 20 minutes and I just don't buy it ever. <laughs> Troy. Yeah. But in this case, they've been together for a couple of weeks and it, off screen and it's like, okay, you've, you've at least sidestepped, you know, the instantly falling in love when you see each other thing. Yeah. And like the first shot you see of them, they're just like, <laughs> you know, they're once again, the full open mouth kissing. That's the policy the show takes on, mm-hmm. uh, on actors kissing. There's no stage kiss here. But uh, no. no, it was nice because she actually took a little time to fall in love. I just I like I think that excuse would have worked if they hadn't like sort of set up when uh, when Odan's replacement body is just about to show up and Worf comes in mm-hmm. and she's all like oh Worf show him in right and Worf's like uh, him him <laughs> he her he him yeah <laughs> it's just, it just it seems it just that that scene just sells it to me where it's just like oh you're a woman now. Uh, well, it is always nice to hear from a woman. That's true. No, okay, here's the thing. I agree with you that Gene's idealized future, whatever. Everyone should be cool with gay people. And we'll talk about this more when Amanda comes on in a few weeks with the mm-hmm. uh, with the gender-neutral planet and her insistence that there are no gay people in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But let's assume that everyone is enlightened, that getting over the fact that you can't really talk about this on 90s, early 90s TV, Yeah, everyone is cool with it. Maybe she, I mean, despite that, maybe she's just not gay. Like, she could be totally cool with it. If Wesley came out, she'd be like, all right, fine, no problem. Mm. But she just – she doesn't like chicks. That's That still doesn't make her less enlightened. It just makes her heterosexual. I just yeah. – That's what I was saying. I I agree with that. There, That's a, a very real thing. I mean there Yeah, it doesn't make her are, a bigot. People who are flexible and people who aren't and people who just, you know. Yeah. Some people just like the opposite sex and that doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't make them bigots. It just makes them, you know. No, I understand that. My have, it, it just – it feels like with – with Jean's enlightened future, like we've, we're supposed to have moved on from sort of physical appearance. So like, so starships are just like Marilyn Manson on tour. Everybody's whipping out the rubbers and doing each other. Yeah. Why well, not? Ideally. Yes. Ideal <laughs> Jean's future. Yes. Yeah. Sounds yeah. pretty good. I, I, I actually think that there might be something like that, that they couldn't talk about. I don't know. Cause Jean mm-hmm. definitely had some weird ideas about sexuality. Very, you know, very open ideas about sexuality as I recall. Yeah, he did. But, I don't know. I mean, the the problem, once again, is early 90s TV. You yep. couldn't talk about that. I was impressed that the chick came in and assumed they could resume their relationship. I thought that was a little ballsy for yep. for the time where she could say, so let's continue making out. What? She would she would actually say that? Come on, Bever. I'll teach you how to scissor. Yeah. <laughs> She's already done with Troy. It's fine. Yeah, she did. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Like I say, I... It's hard to say because well let, let me let me start with my bad thing. Okay. My bad thing is Beverly's acting. I do not yeah. think Gates McFadden is up to this. I just I don't. I think 
it was an okay story. I think some of the some of the love stuff was really heavy-handed and really clumsy, but I don't think she added anything to it. And I think in better hands, maybe that would have been more subtle, more, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I could definitely see that. Where she's heartbroken, where she wants to give it a try. Like, maybe she just didn't sell the idea of what she was saying. Mm-hmm. She just, I don't know. There were a few times where she's just so hysterical and so just over the top. Very soap opera. Yeah. Well, Very, we must save him. It's just, uh, yeah. not I don't great. think I did my good idea. I think we morphed into my bad idea. My, my bad thing. Sorry. Good thing. Bad thing. Oh, that's okay. Usually, my good one. usually I try to steer the points, you know, one, one at a time. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I just, you know, the conversation oh, no, was I, taking us there. So I just wanted oh, yeah, to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to you, Beef. Be I'm, second on, I'm second on the list. <laughs> I know you are. I apologize. <laughs> I'm second I on everyone's list. I top billing behind Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I do these in order of who did the most work and who did the least work. And that's why I'm last. I didn't do any summaries this week. <laughs> No, I just – I really wanted it because this is part of my argument overall is I don't think she's that great. And I think that that adds to what you're talking about, Matt. I think that scene might have worked better. I think they definitely could have played it better that way, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, th- this this really showed her limitations in, mm-hmm. in being so so Bever-centric. And, it did, and it's um, too I bad. Thought, I thought Troy too a good bit. Troy, Troy has no lack – no uh, shortage of showing her limitations. But um, I thought this one in the – some of the scenes really again she's she, yeah i thought she came off a little forced and i i don't like her when she's pushing at people like she did in the spa see i i'll give you oh, that yeah that was and the enterprise has a spa yes it, well now we know that it doesn't i mean i guess the <laughs> i'm sorry no she's wearing the she's wearing the facial mask and and she's getting, getting some boogers to soak her hands in yeah dipping her hand in ectoplasm and just yes yeah they're they're doing the, the girl thing blows their nose and she wants to put her fingers in it <laughs> But I mean, how how else do you show what girls do on their day off if you don't have a spa? That's right, and and they're do. not going to kiss. Well, right. I mean, if you can't kiss, what else can you do? What do you do to blow off steam? Well, you, yeah, you exactly. go put your hands in some goo. I I don't know. I I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I like, and I've said this before. I like Troy off duty. I don't like when she's the completely unapproachable counselor or the really ineffectual bridge officer. But. Off-duty, when she's giving her friends a hard time, when she's joking around, when she's – she and Beverly are supposed to be good friends. And I like it when she's like, hey, you got some, huh? Uh, yeah. Then uh, this, is, this is nice that they got to uh, show – you know, highlight that right. a little bit. And I, I she think – She is always very interested in who got some, as we'll see in the next episode. Yeah, th- there was definitely a double whammy of that this time. <laughs> well, yeah. I feel like her and Reich are the only people on, that sh- on the show who get some regularly. But I mean I – They've only done this a little bit, and I think I'm projecting what I know from later, but she and Beverly are supposed to be pretty good friends. Mm -hmm. And so it's not out of place for her to pry a little to say, hey, so uh, what's going on with O'Don, huh? uh, eh, eh?" (laughs) It didn't feel out of place to me, Beef, is what I'm saying. I can see your point. But it felt like these two are friends, and she's just, like, needling her a little bit. It didn't feel like an invasion or anything. Yeah, I don't think it was wrong for the character. I just don't think the acting was... That's fair. There. I yeah. I think she plays that little snickering. We have a secret. Let's let's kid each other thing much better than she plays most everything else. I do like yeah. the delivery of. It's especially nice to treat yourself after so long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because you get. I think there was a line in the pilot where uh, Beverly says, "If not, then way early season one, where she's like, let me get Wesley out of here, and then I could deal with me.' Like I don't, I don't want to yeah. date. I don't want to do. You know, 
until until Wesley's off and taken care of. And so, yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. And there's your there's your Jean's enlightened, sexually liberated future. She's not getting laid. That that kind of that kind of says that it's it's not like that at all. Well, we can't all take a, a little statue to Riza. I suppose that's true, which we'll also get to in the next episode. <laughs> all right, Beef, what do you got for a good thing? Okay, my good thing was the um, – I thought uh, Frakes was great in this. Yeah, he, he was. Yeah. He, carried, he carried his full duty really well. And the idea, the Trill idea and all, even though, I mean, sort of by watching this we've seen better, uh-huh. you know, more recently. But um, it's a neat idea, and the idea of the Trill ambassador is a neat idea. Yeah. And even having a, a, a Beverly-centric thing – where it gets to focus on her as a woman. Yeah, um, now that Wesley's not, gone, not, we can do something about her instead of her as a mother. That's good. Not yeah, not as a mom, not with a ghost, right. you know, not you know anything, but with an actual person who just happens to be a worm inside a host that nobody really cares about. Right. I also really like the fact, like seeing aliens again that you know aren't just head bump people. I no, mean, the, the moon aliens are. People, but, oh, those guys. Yeah. Um, but, but talking about Frakes first, we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, I, he was fantastic when, when he had the, the, uh, symbiote in him, symbiote, symbiote. I never know how to say that exactly. The Spider-Man has taught me symbiote. Right. Yes. Symbiote. Well, very well. Except it's got an O in there. Sim, symbiote. Yeah. Em- symbiote. Embroyo. Yes. The symbiote. I, I worked with a guy who said you embryo is embroyo, which, which made me laugh to know it. Um, no, and Frakes, when he was the other guy, completely changed his body language, yep. his delivery, his everything was just completely different. And I didn't get enough of a look at Odon to know if he was doing him, but he was definitely doing something different. Yeah. And it was – I thought he nailed it. I thought it was great because you knew it wasn't him the second he walked in the room. The um the interesting thing with uh with uh the trill in this is that they have – it seems like they just sort of take over the body that they're going. Yeah, into. I wasn't clear about that. I was not clear. Do they just overshadow the other people? Where was Riker during all this? Yeah, exactly. Like, I almost think the episode would have been better if if both Riker and Crusher were uncomfortable with Odan. Oh yeah. Trying to Wait, have what are you? With Crusher what are you Riker's doing with body. my body? Stop it! No, no. Can we not do this? I try. I have to work with this woman. Yeah. Don't you put that in there. Just have the Lily Tomlin voiceover. Oh, oh, I was just happening? thinking of that. <laughs> you and I both went to a lot of the same classic <laughs> 80s comedy references this week. Uh, and your bad thing? Me is um, the uh, – sorry. Oh, it was really just the um, – I, I thought they could have done more with the uh, – either exploring her, her discomfort with it a little more mm-hmm. or um, with the uh, him now being a girl. Or, um, you know, I say ideally I would do the thing you talk about when people change into stuff. Leave it that way. Right. You know, have Odon, have Odon come on, be on board periodically still as a woman, and it either develops into something or it doesn't develop into something. Yeah. And that would still be neat. Or they could at least be friends that see each other again. And that's a you know limitation of the show, intentional thing of the show not to have it. Well – And that's a – and uh, the, the continued continuity, it, the continuity, uh, whatever you call it, the serialization, really is more – more so now than ever before. And oh, stuff. yeah. It's easy to look back and say, why don't they just continue this? But TV didn't really work like that, especially syndicated TV, because yeah, they would true. show reruns out of order and they wanted people to be able to catch it, you know, whenever. Yeah. But on the other hand, if they'd set up this recurring character, we do have one Loxana episode every year, one Q episode every year. 
there's another recurring one that I can't think of off the top of my head. But there's there's certain people that come back once a year, and that's not mm-hmm. exactly continuity, but it is. And they could have done that. They could have had Beverly's weird, half-assed love interest show up, you know, every season from now until the end. Hey, Bever, I'm a girl. Oh, <laughs> oh, good. I'm still very uncomfortable with this. No, and in a way, this falls into the the thing we've been talking about over the last few over, over this season. Really, is that really rushed last act? Yeah, you have this really interesting moral quandary that she's in, and oh, it's over. We we mm. we deal with this for all of thirty seconds, and no, nope, we're not going to explore that. We're done. See, I, I I think I think the episode sort of misses out in not dealing with. Right, exactly. Her deal with Odan as a woman. Well, for, I think like, that's what Beef's saying. They should have. Yeah. They should have spent more time on that. And again, like, I, I think I they rushed through the interesting part. That than the fucking uh, yet another diplomatic thing. The diplomatic thing actually usually that bugs me. I think I figured this out. The diplomatic thing bugs me when our sympathies are supposed to be with the people on the planets. Yeah. Putting aside the joke about Mullity, whatever. When. We are given a character we've never seen before, and we're meant to care about their planet and what's going on on their planet and the opposite, the opposite faction. I never care. I just – I can't get invested in their culture. I don't care. Mm. On the other hand, if we focus on the diplomat going to the planets trying to solve things, then it's just one character. Then it's possible to get me invested if he's a good character. They did it in Sarek. They did it here to a lesser extent. And then I care because then it's one guy's reputation riding on – what happens on these planets, and that's a whole other thing. Right. They did it, what was it, uh, Loud as a Whisper did it as well. Yeah. What's his face? Yeah, the, the overdramatic deaf guy. Yes. Which had its problems, but that was still another case where the diplomat was the story, not the people on the planet. Yeah, exactly. And I think in that case it wasn't bad. Um, yeah, and this this one, the um, actually both, again, both of these episodes – you see some of the sort of negotiating parties, but mm-hmm. you don't really see the struggle. You just you see the people at the table, and I think that's well, more they, interesting. And, more ba- or less. They and that's great. Like, snap at each other too. Yeah, right. you, know? you don't need to go to the planet and wallow in their filth. You right. can just you know have the people who are really doing the talk. You know, let the grown-ups talk. Well, yeah. and and really, if you had to boil down my main criticism of Next Gen to one thing, it's whenever things stray from character-based stories, that's when it loses me. You got to focus yeah. on the characters. The characters have to have some conflict or some arc or something. And once it becomes about the concept and not about the characters, you lose me pretty much every time. And that's why I don't mind this, because it's more about the character. Mm. It's about his lifetime achievement. It's about several lifetimes because he's been this he's been this slug in different bodies over time. And he's been working on this for, what, hundreds of years or something? Yeah. It was, you know, it was kind of a big deal. And that I can sympathize with. So, and, and that kind of, uh, my good thing is similar to uh, what Beef said. This is a very Star Trek idea. The, the whole the parasite lives in the host and there's a secret that he's got. And I, I, it felt very Star Trek to me, very cool sci-fi idea. Absolutely. That they will definitely go more into later. But right now it's a neat idea. And what I don't get is why he why he hid it. Yeah, and he I mean, really did hide it. Yeah. And there's really the, the – the, it was either the end of the teaser or the first act break where you see the thing moving around in his stomach and it's like dun-dun-dun. And it's like, really? That's I already know what's going on there because I've seen it. But I mean, what? Why is he hiding just, it? I just picture people watching it in the like in the nineties. He's going to have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it wouldn't be out of out of place for you know an alien race to uh, you know the males have babies. That's oh, Beverly, you're going to have you're going to be a father. <laughs> you're going to have another and, kid. Oh. No. And, 
and Junior was sometime around then, wasn't it? So, I mean, men were having babies all over the place. No, that would have been like mid, like 96, I think. How do I know that? Oh, my God. How do you know that? That's I worked a in a video question. store. Yeah, I got it feels you. like an entirely separate podcast. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Plus, I guarantee one of the male crew members on Voyager got pregnant. I would put money on that. And I don't, I don't know it. I just assume it. I know what happened on Enterprise. Well, there you go. When I say Voyager, Matt, I mean Voyager and Enterprise. <laughs> it's what? like when I say Voyager, I want you to just think shitty Star Trek. When I think Star Trek and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really like the idea. I like the concept. But as you, as one of you said, I think it was Matt, um, what happens to Riker? Like, they're supposed to coexist, and that's what they end up becoming. That's what, what Dax ends up being. That was the whole point of, of Dax. Yeah, was Are, they choose hosts. Yeah. And the host coexists. That's why each successive version of, of the Dax parasite becomes a little bit like she was an old man before. And so mm. she was the same basic person, but in a different other person. And so, yeah. so they're, they're not as crass about the host as they are in this one. Yeah, no, they just, like, they just pop it me, in anyway. Save me, save the, me. I'm the being. I'm the living being. Right. Save me. This is just a husk. The worm is me. Right. Save me. No, in, in DS9, it's more of a – we're a joined species. We're together. Yeah. They make a big deal out of the trail choosing their hosts and it for, mm -hmm. for it being an honor for the hosts to be chosen. And and here it's just – I don't know. I almost feel like DS9 just should have called them something else. Like we're related to these guys, but we're not exactly the same. That would I mean, it's like basically what they did was take a real – was take a good idea that wasn't executed very well and they, you know – They made it better. Made it better. Yeah. yeah. Plus those like spots DS9 are super makes everything hot. better. Well, yes. Plus those spots are crazy sexy. Yeah, they are. Holy shit. But that's that's a whole other thing too. Um, Okay, let's talk about their courtship because on the one hand, it's nice to see her falling in love. And like I said, it's nice to see most of it happening off screen so it actually took a little time. Mm-hmm. But there's a point where she's sniffing a single rose. What is this? The fucking room? Come on. <laughs> you know, a couple times, a couple times in this, they went to what I what I think of as sort of 40s movie tropes. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They were like, I can't I can't remember. There's one towards the end. But when he's going to get on, on the shuttle and she has the rose in her hand and there's like steam comes up from the shuttle and yeah. it's like I, I said in my notes, I expected her to run alongside it and just straight out <laughs> into space. <laughs> Yeah, and you're not talking for classic 40s tropes, not like Casablanca. You're talking the – This starship ain't big enough for the two of us, yeah. Beverly. The bad stuff. If you were making a bad parody of old movies, you would put this kind of stuff in it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there was another thing where they're talking, where she – the two of them are talking, and they're talking a lot of whispers. And I, I don't yeah. can't remember what's going to happen, but the dialogue in it and all is just very oh, much – Yeah. Very much like a kind of bad old movie. Mm -hmm. they, they sounded like teenagers. Oh, you're the light of my life. You're the – Really? He sounds like a six-year-old when he calls her Dr. Beverly all the yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Okay, I, I agree that that was dumb. However, it's a nice verbal cue that Riker is now somebody else. He's got a yeah. unique way of addressing her that once you hear him say it five or six times and then Riker says it, it's like, whoa, that's, that's I just, weird. I assumed it was like a pet name or something. Yeah, but I mean, dramatically, I understand why they did that. Maybe it could have yeah. been a better name than Dr. Beverly, though. Yeah. But hearing it come out of Riker was a little like, whoa, yeah, that's that's uh, creepy. What What's wrong, Snookums? Now that I'm a woman, you don't like me anymore? <laughs> and on to creepy. I thought that uh, the uh, uh, the spa scene, in the, that was the scene with the story where, where Beverly's talking about her man. Uh -huh. and, and then Troy oh, talks boy. about her dad. Yeah. Uh, well, yes, that was gross. <laughs> well, Beverly, yeah, Beverly's like the first guy I fell in love with, blah, 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 blah. And Troy's like, the first man I ever loved was my father. Oh, God, what? <laughs> I'm sitting there that something for Al. Oh, no. <laughs> he was a good man and thorough. 
God. That just, that, that goes to the heart of what's wrong with Troy, which is nobody knows what her deal is. Nobody, like, that's the best they could come up with. The little girl loved her father. Like that, she's such a generic woman. She likes chocolate. She's she's an empath with a healthy sexuality from a race that has healthy sexualities. And she doesn't have a better relationship story to tell than, than of her father. I mean, I understand it's a loss or it's a, you know, it's that kind of thing is what her story is, but it really, um. You're talking about romantic love versus, versus you know, familial. Well, she could have she could have talked about Riker and how they yeah. were forced to break up for some reason. And in fact, that would have worked really well considering he's in Riker in this. Oh episode. yeah, that would have been really good. In fact, they could have explored that a lot more, like the 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 awkwardness of Troy. Like, hey, that's my former lover, and now uh, this is a little weird. I mean, it they 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 haven't sort of set up the Troy Riker thing still going on enough for well, that to really work but that's been our theory be mentioned that's been our theory the whole time i don't know that it's ever overtly stated yeah but still there's still a history there mm-hmm. she's still got some something going on there they still call each other imzadi when she's not being bitchy yes and oh enough of that imzadi crap yeah don't well, give they, me that crap they made up they made up the word they might as well use it yeah. <laughs> well it's better than dr beverly you got to give him that yeah, yeah that's true <laughs> Actually, Imzadi translates to Dr. Beverly, which is weird. <laughs> that is weird because they hadn't even met Beverly at that point. Yeah, exactly. They just they went through a baby name book and they just picked the first one that uh, <laughs> sounded good. And added doctor to it. Yeah. What's sexier oh, than a doctor? I was saying added Beverly to it. Right. Okay, so there's the scene where Odon goes into Picard's ready room and basically wags his genitals in Picard's face and said, Guess who I fucked? That's oh right, God, Beverly. That was such a bad scene. It was so just blatant he was trying to hint that uh things are pretty good with dr beverly but he just you got a you got a really nice crew here picard i know especially beverly's vagina uh, you know she's pretty great yes i'm aware thank you i'm fucking her yeah thank you i i got it thanks yes (laughs) uh subtlety is not a big thing on the trill homeworld is it (laughs) I also wonder, because Patrick Stewart played it as, why did that guy tell me that? And also, I'm a little jealous. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was supposed to be that or if Patrick Stewart read that into it. Like, one day this Beverly Picard thing is going to pay off. Because that's always been under the surface somewhere. Sure. And he definitely had a look on his face like, oh, this is this makes me uncomfortable. I wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and now Riker gets to. I also <laughs> really loved the second... Uh, Odon starts living in Riker, for for want of a better phrase. Uh, Picard does not miss a beat. He doesn't ever call him number one. He doesn't ever, like, he just says, okay, ambassador, let's let's resume. It's a very cool way of showing Picard just can roll with this stuff. Yeah. No matter how weird it is. This week. Yep. And, And he doesn't even, you know, he doesn't have to adjust to it or anything. It's just this is the way it is. I like that. Mm hmm. Uh, what else? Oh, there's a bit of business I just I wanted to discuss just because it was so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Odon has worked with these two races in the past uh-huh. and sort of tried to get them to unite over something. And oh. his big plan to get them to work together when he like when he'd been there like two hosts ago mm-hmm. was that he had the two the two oh, ambassadors yeah. from the two races switch jobs for a week. Right. I'm like pretty <laughs> sure that's a reality show. Really? Yeah. That's a Saved by the Bell episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching them like, so So they say both their planets and they convinced Mr. Furley they were gay. Well, this time they're going to draw a line between the two moons. 
and everything on Moon Alpha. You can't cross the line to get anything you need from Moon Beta. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a fucking Laverne and Shirley episode. <laughs> and then and then the next time it ended with we can't cut the baby in half. <laughs> <laughs> See, I feel like if Picard ever became an ambassador, that would be his solution to everything. Not not a figurative sense. I think his solution to every problem would be cut a baby in half. Probably shouldn't pull that one on the Klingon homeworld. Well, but that's that would be his answer there, too. Oh, Purple I'm not cleaning this up. Everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, what else? Anything? Oh, oh, there's that great bit at the beginning. We're data... Where they're they're trying to get off to their quarters to to get some, and I actually thought this was cute. I thought they were, you oh, know, yeah, uh, they're a new couple. They're data. they're having sex a lot, and and they're like, oh, we're gonna, we don't need you right now, Data. We're gonna, oh no, I insist, I have to go with you on this. No, Data, we, oh well, okay, uh, oh well, I have to go back to my quarters for thing. Why don't I join you there? <laughs> that was nice. I liked it. Just a just a cute character moment. Nothing, yes. nothing really more to say about that. Uh, any further just points? Good data stuff. Yes, it is. Yeah, I said usually. Uh, usually, headaches are used to get out of sex. <laughs> right. And as they used it to get. <laughs> Sorry, he used it to get into. into right. <laughs> I'm going to get into sex. <laughs> that sounds like a really bad like public uh, awareness campaign. Get into sex <laughs> with like a person <laughs> leaping out on a poster and smiling. <laughs> Oh Lord! All right, hey kids, get into sex. Get into sex. Anything else uh, to learn more about sex? Consult your local library or Doctor Bever <laughs> or <laughs> prostitute. Uh I think that's it. Do you have any further things? Mm, no. All right, Matt, you got a quote? I do. This is uh, this is uh, Bever's cop out at the very end of the episode. Perhaps it is. A human failing. But we are not accustomed to these kinds of changes. I can't keep up. How long will you have this host? What would the next one be? I can't live with that kind of uncertainty. It's a very pretty speech, but uh, I re- I just don't buy it. All right, that's fair. I mean, I, again, I, I took it at face value, but I can definitely see... Like, it wouldn't have occurred to me if you guys hadn't said... Uh, maybe that's not what she meant, but okay. You know, I could see it both ways. You Unf- just believe everything she says. Well, unfortunately, she can't see it both ways. That's the real problem yes. here. <laughs> All right. Pushing forward to an episode I didn't think I would like, but I was wrong. Beeve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Moinzoi? Moinzoi. <laughs> Certainly. Jordy's log. Stardate party time. We have with Jordy on a shuttle by himself, enjoying the hell out of a drink he obviously made by hand for himself from the shuttle's fully stocked bar. Why not? The shuttle is literally his designated driver, so no big, right? Back on the Enterprise, Worf spends the entire rest of the episode wondering how Geordi got off the Enterprise. The end. Okay, not really, but I decided not to make a no-trouble-at-all joke at the end, so I at least get a Worf-don't-know-shuttle reference. Geordi <laughs> lets us know that he's on his way to Rise of Seven, where the captain has ordered him to have fun and attend a conference on cybernetics by L. Ron Hubbard. Jordy reminds us of how fully awkward and nerdy he is by screaming at the idea of a three-hour, by squirming at the idea of a three-hour trip and getting frustrated at the computer for not being the completely human, totally real human mind reader that he thinks of it as. No computer, bad computer. Computer, that's not the number I was thinking of at all. God, computer. Sometimes I think you don't even try. So Jordy is having the computer give him a super fun science quiz for fun when bam, Romulan Warbird, right there. 
He immediately does what any good Starfleet officer knows to do and turns off the music he had worked so hard to get just right. <laughs> Before he can get through to the Enterprise, Jordy is beamed to the Romulan ship, to a Romulan ship where they have an exact clone of LaForge waiting to go have fun in his place, uh... but, ordered, but ordered not to enjoy it. By exact clone, I do indeed mean a black guy in a Starfleet <laughs> okay. uniform. Instead of a geek orgy with a bitch and chocolate fountain, Georgie gets the full-on Ludovico right through his visor inputs and gets to play Kill the Irishman the home game. <laughs> on the Enterprise, they have taken on board a Klingon ambassador from the High Council who is making them fly out to a Klingon colony that's trying to break off from the Empire. The problem in all of it is the governor, is not, uh, the governor of the colony believes the Federation is aiding the rebels, presumably mulleted and dirty, but thankfully never on screen in this episode. And Picard's got lots of splaining and Klingon splaining to do. <laughs> I think that one works better in writing, honestly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of yeah, apostrophes. Spending all day trying to figure out how to, how to say it with the, uh, all the uh, yeah. apostrophes. So Jordy gets back on the Enterprise just in time for Data to not get a joke. And Counselor Troy creepily fixate on her certainty that Jordy got laid on Ryza. She really knows he got laid and really, really wants him to tell her about it. She smells his fingers like eight times. <laughs> Troy is at her creepiest ever in this scene. But LaForge just teases her and leaves her pleasuring herself in the hall by his door while she cries out for more detail. We get some diplomacy and accusations and Klingon cussing. Picard gets to out Klingon a Klingon again, and I try to care so as not to hurt his feelings. Something something E-band emissions, because that's a thing, right? Well, the Enterprise is getting loads of these mysterious things, and Geordi is working around the clock to figure out the mystery of the emissions and uh, recreates the Kill the Irishman game by spilling a drink on him this time which in the context of the story honestly makes no sense to me. There's some neat sleuthing, and Jordy and Data get to do some couple science to figure out that the weapons the Federation is supplying the Rebels are actually Romulan copies. <clears throat> Lots of really standard brainwash assassination, uh, assassination plot stuff here, and ultimately, once again, the day is saved by Leslie Nielsen in a catcher's outfit. <laughs> Enrico Palazzo! Enrico Palazzo! <laughs> you know, I... I... Happened to pop in on your notes, and I saw you. I must kill Frank Drebin, and that is the exact thought that I had. <laughs> Except I was thinking of the. Uh, I guess it was uh, Reggie Jackson. I must kill the queen. Kill the queen. I I thought I wondered which to put in there, and that was the one that came. No, from Frank Drebin like brings the reference home way better. You you definitely chose correctly. <laughs> but I, now I also wonder if Reggie Jackson was the guy they put the visor on and sent to Risa. <laughs> <laughs> he easily could have been. I mean, his his face wasn't the same. No. His hair wasn't the same. It, it was like, you know, if they can do this, and we know they can do this thing where they make them look just like Oh, yeah. People. Yep. And um, nope. they just didn't. It was like, they didn't really try. No. Ro even like, Romulans are like, ah, oh, they all look the same. Yeah, it was. So you, so you saw Jordy at the uh, conference, huh? Well, I saw a black guy in advisor, so how yes. many How many black guys in advisor are there? Plus, Jordy doesn't get out much, so, you know, <laughs> that must be that one. That one lady had sex with him. Yeah, apparently. Oh, I love that probably, once again, Jordy completely fails to have sex with a real person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I liked your comment there that, uh, once again, Jordy had sex with an imaginary woman, but it didn't really happen. <laughs> I love that Troy was so convinced. She was. He comes back on board, and she's completely clueless. She thinks, yep. oh, you got laid? Uh, uh, uh. She doesn't sense, oh, no, you've been brainwashed to kill somebody. I assume that was put in there just to, to show how, uh, like... How perfectly the brainwashing was. That would be fine if we thought of her as an effective empath to this point. Exactly. Which we haven't. We're almost four complete years through the show, and that still hasn't been established. But I can totally buy the uh, the writers going, well, we'll do this so people aren't yeah. asking how she doesn't know. Yeah, well, she just doesn't yeah. know because she's her. She just doesn't know. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm still not convinced she's an she's an empath at all. No, I think she lied on her. <laughs> she's, she's not really an empath. She was adopted, and Loxana didn't want to tell her. <laughs> That's why she keeps not using telepathy when Loxana shows up because she doesn't know how. <laughs> yep. I, I think she lied on her resume, and she like everyone's just covering it up now. I love the idea of Troy having a resume. Yes, exactly. I can use Microsoft Excel. I type at 75 words per minute, and I'm empathic. You're none of those things. You can't even do a uh, pivot table. What's wrong with you? <laughs> How the hell do you get this Excel spreadsheet to work? Right. Damn. Uh, so you got a good thing for us, Beeve? I do. I like Data and Jordy doing science together. That's um, always fun. It's the best, and I like the investigation aspect of it, and you know, regardless of how great that was or, or wasn't, it was neat that they did it that way. I liked them breaking stuff apart. I, I liked them. Uh, I liked the fact that Jordy was working to catch himself. Yeah, no, that was fantastic that he was so oblivious to what was going With on. no knowledge. And yeah. he's so good and yeah. so inquisitive about stuff like that that he's you know pursuing the crap out of himself. And even when they get to the point where he has to name himself, he knows it wasn't him. Yeah, they got it down because, to three suspects. Him, and it's like, well, but he says, really, I'm the... Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm the only one without a good alibi, so uh, yeah. I don't know. And I yeah. also like that we don't have Worf just, you know, like he doesn't he doesn't exactly give him like a, even a look, you know. No, he's like, oh, of course it yeah. wasn't you. And and Why he can't have he can't have holographic Leah Brahms vouch for him anymore. Right, no, that's true. She's not they good... locked that program. <laughs> She's not a good character reference anyway, really. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I like Jordy. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? Thanks, Barkley. You really got this thing working exactly the way I want. <laughs> nice job. There are actually quite a few good things. I'll keep that as my my good thing, and uh, for now, though. Yeah, no, that, that, I love that. Like that happens in the background of so many episodes, and it's nice that it kind of came more to the front in this one. Those two solving mysteries, and I don't mean driving around in a van and solving mysteries. I mean, you know, <laughs> although I would love to see a uh, Trek shuttlecraft painted like the Mystery Machine. That is true. But that's the go-to whenever you say solving mysteries. No, whenever there's something going on on the Enterprise and those two have to use science and engineering to figure stuff out, I love that. And yep. it, like I say, it's usually in the background. We usually get one or two lines while other stuff's happening. But here it's and, more in the foreground, and it's great. And they do that cut where you're not sure what's going on with LaForge, and then he's holding a, a phaser rifle oh, and yeah. he's shooting. And they pan back, and he's in a lab with Data, right. and they're they're working on it. That's just – they are uh, just science best friends. Yep. No, it's adorable. It's it does that a couple of times, actually. Like, I love the tension in the scene when he's in uh, 10 forward mm -hmm. and he ends up dumping the drink on O'Brien. Because, like, I mean, we know he's going to be okay, but, like, he was not in the main in the main cast. They could have easily just killed him off. Well, and the thing is, and it is an easy joke and a funny joke. I'm not I'm not giving either of you guys crap for the kill the Irishman thing. Well, that's true. I mean, that that is, you know, that's the joke. But really... If you had to pick someone who is the most likable on the Enterprise and who would really break your heart to see someone kill, and someone someone who's actually dispensable because they're not in the main cast, yep. he might have killed O'Brien for real. Like, that might have been part of their plan for all we knew. Yep. Yeah, and Jordy has respect for O'Brien. Yes, and we yeah, all I mean, love somebody him. that he, you know, he's go-to. He's like, I when he's talking about people who could do this stuff, he's like, me, O'Brien. Data. You know, the ch chief here, yep. Data. And that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> One other guy? Yeah. One other guy we've never <laughs> right. met and, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, we've gotten to the point where we really do, like O'Brien, not ignoring what we know about him later. He is a very likable character. Mm -hmm. And again, because he's not in the main cast, maybe they would kill him off. Yeah. And so it was like, Jesus, don't kill him. That's terrible. And, and yeah, I didn't I didn't get the drink thing. I mean, it seemed really, really forced. Like, like, I have to go do something. I have to go get a drink and mm -hmm. spill it on somebody. I mean, it was like, 
he took a trip to Ten Forward just to dump a drink on him. I I didn't take it that way. I took it. Do as, you think he was compelled based on his initial training? Is that what they were? That was at? that was my thought. And then he had a moment of realization and like, oh god, what happened? I think yeah, I also gotcha. think that might have something to do with the fact that he was supposed to take a drink after he killed O'Brien. Right. That was the scenario. I see the two things through. getting sort of mixed up in his head. <laughs> I love that fucking cold bit. <laughs> Where he just pushes O'Brien's corpse to the yeah. side and sits down and has a drink. And nobody blinks. Nope. All the, nope. other, the other people in the simulation are, like, glad to see him gone, basically. Yep. Well, and that was part of the brainwashing, I think, is, like, this is completely normal. No one's freaking out. This is what you're supposed yep. to do. I, I, Like I said, because it's O'Brien, I just, I, I really was, you know, I mean, I knew he wasn't going to die. But it, it made it extra. Like, if he was shooting Riker, well, that sucks, but Riker's not going anywhere. Yeah, no, we we know we know Riker's safe. But O'Brien is meant to suffer. Yeah, this is the first of many. Well, if you if you don't count Keiko, this is the first, the first of many times he's going to be made to suffer, whether yes. whether real or fake. The poor bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about your bad thing? My bad thing. Sorry. Okay, my bad thing is. Um, I thought I thought it. This is probably because it was my multiple watch throughs of this, mm-hmm. but. Um, I thought this was semi-boring. Um, it had a lot of good stuff to it, but it was kind of—I kind of just dozed off for some of the parts uh, toward the end mm-hmm. um, with the the diplomacy stuff. Um, and it seemed like a, a retread of every brainwashing plot ever. Uh, but the real thing, uh, the real bad thing, the big bad thing, has to be the ominously awful, ridiculously shadowed Romulan elephant in the Romulan room. Yeah, let's let's put a pin in that because that's also mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should be everyone's. Well, People let's... who didn't see the episode should have that as their bad thing. Right now, she's... Uh, she. Well, no, she. We heard a female voice. We assume voice. it's a she. We heard a female just voice. Just a high-pitched, effeminate Romulan. Yeah, just a... Just a Hello, Jordy! Shadowy <laughs> figure. Off in the I'm movie. evil! <laughs> Why do you have googly eyes, then? Never mind! Shadowy boogity, boogity. to the point that it defied the lighting in the room. Yeah, no, I... Because one of them stepped out from the shadows, and the other ones... They must have dumped a whole bucket of black paint on her. Yeah. They dumped Armas on her. Oh, she God. was actually in blackface. She was right out in the light. Yeah. She was in wow. blackface. Yep. <laughs> she was going to be the first substitute for... Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I but did not say that. Work. <laughs> uh, Matt, what about you? Uh, it's, uh, I, I've noticed this a bit lately. I haven't commented on it yet, but, uh, this is as good a time to bring it up as any. We haven't seen Picard do one of those badass things in a while. No, that was a like, thing in season three we mentioned because he, he seemed so soft and not decisive that we, we pointed that out all throughout season three that he, they kept giving him these great moments. And I think I they backed like, off of that a little bit. I feel like season three was building Picard up. Yeah. And then the sort of the pinnacle of that was best of both worlds. Right. And now in, now that we're into season four, we've been sort of spreading out to the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. But this episode has Picard stand up to a Klingon and it is completely fucking awesome. I love when really he is. gets that posture where he's like, yeah, fucking do something about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he just walks up, stares him right in the eye, and starts swearing at him and cling on it. Yep. Fucking rock! Yeah, I like that. Uh, Beef, you you made a comment in your in your summary that you you didn't quite. Uh, what did you say? That you're, you're being polite because you didn't want to hurt his feelings. Did, were you not oh, as no, sold just on that? The, I love that part. Oh, okay. I love that part. It's just again, I I watched. I probably watched in the past week or so. I probably watched it three or four times. Well, no, and, I understand um, that. If, if, and by the end, I was just fast forwarding through all of the talking that that stuff just to try to get more of a feel for Jordy and stuff like that. I think right. that's what I was trying to do. No, and that happens um, when, when people aren't doing this week in and week out like we are, where, yeah. you know, you, you're not doing this every week and you have to watch it a few times to really get the, it was, you know, it was great the first time though. Yeah. And, um, that was a good solid scene. And the 
really actually I don't do I wait for everybody else's good things and stuff? Uh just try not to step on other stuff we're gonna say as well. The Klingons were good. Yeah. They absolutely yes. were. And so those interactions were really good. Right. So, so I'm there. I'm there with you. But I mean, in the thing, I was it was just you know all this stuff. I could, couldn't really couldn't really get involved. That's that's fair. Uh, your bad thing, Matt. O'Brien getting shot made me sick. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> well, I yeah. actually really liked this episode. I had a hell of a time finding a heart or a bad thing for it. This was like I said. I went in thinking, oh god, this is the this is the majority mind control. This is stupid. And admittedly, it's a dumb concept. It's like Beef said, this is the, the mind control one that every show does. Yeah. But it was definitely directly and indirectly informed by the Manchurian Candidate. There were some cinematic choices that were very much like that movie, which I've seen not too long ago. So it's still kind of fresh in my head. The bit near the end where Jordy's about to shoot the dude and Data's racing to to stop him mm-hmm. is almost identical to the to the Sinatra bit in uh, oh, nice. at the end of Manchurian Candidate. Like, I don't think it's shot for shot. But it's the, it captures the same sort of feeling in the editing and the pacing, and I, I really like that. Sure. And you know it's not going to happen, but it creates a lot of tension within Worf is trying to get to him and the Klingons stop him because they think they're he's advancing on them. Right. And, you know, and, they, they uh, all hate Worf still, so it's possible. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I loved the groundwork that they've been laying for the Klingon Civil War, and this is sort of the last one because mm. next week we got a light episode and then it all hits the fan. Yeah. Like, next week, there's not really anything Klingon involved, as far as I remember. But then after that is redemption, where it all falls apart, and the Romulans are involved, and the Klingons fight. And, and it's been building for two seasons, and this is sort of the big thing. Because the Romulans are very clearly trying to bring the Federation into this. Yeah. If Geordi had succeeded, they would have made uh, the Klingons think that the Federation was in bed with the, with the Klingon rebels... And then the Romulans would have sort of divided and conquered. And I like yeah. that. I liked all this intrigue stuff. It was cool. Oh, absolutely. And and they've been doing a really good job of setting all that up and tying it all together. And for a show that wasn't serialized, it's there's some, there's some surprising continuity to all this, yeah. which I really yeah. like. Um, so my good thing, I actually quite like the ambassador character. His Klingon makeup was really elaborate, and I thought it looked particularly cool. He's a great-looking cool. Klingon. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But beyond that, his character, he was very blunt – like mm-hmm. you would expect a Klingon to be, but he was also diplomatic like an ambassador should be. Mm-hmm. He he did that thing that they all do, like, oh, Worf, no. Nah. But instead of the usual, you know, I will not work with that patah or whatever it is. Kim <laughs> Kim probably knows the real word. Yeah. Um, instead of that, he's just like, uh, Captain Picard, y- you know Worf's whole thing, right? I probably shouldn't work with him. Like, it's just, it, it was the same attitude but presented differently, and I liked yeah, they, they, uh he had a bunch of points like that where it's great. Yeah. And yeah. and it was it actually caught me off guard because I didn't remember this in like the third or fourth act, like more than halfway through when you realize he's working with the Romulans and Jordy's taking orders from him. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. I thought Jordy was assassinating him. And they play yeah. it so casually, too. Yeah. I love the scene where Jordy comes to his uh, – Oh, he's, he's got the whole quarters. Klingon spread. He's got the tentacles yeah, and, and just, all that. He's and, eating dinner. Yep. Yeah. And he walks in and he's like, hey, Jordy, how's it going? Uh, are you going to kill right, that so guy? I need you to kill this guy. Yeah. And then he's just slurping up his tentacles and going back yep. to business. Which, yeah. Fantastic. I don't know what it is about this show, but Klingon food looks delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Their uh, Klingon food designer, the uh, person who does the effects for it, 
is top notch. There, there yeah. is like you. You may be kidding, but there really is someone whose job that is. I can't think yep. of that name now. Well, it's, not dresser. Dresser is the wrong. Word, I think it's part of the I being mean. the prop master, but I think it's like a special division of the right. props department. They do all the Klingon um, food spreads for Bon Appetit. <laughs> does Does that show actually have Klingon food? I don't know. <laughs> that may have. Uh... I would watch that show then. <laughs> yes. I just meant the magazine. Ah, I know. Right. What? What's a magazine? Yeah, I don't know. We don't have those in the future. Or the present. Or the present. We've all beyond the need for magazines. Yes. As, as I read my notes from my iPad, I think I can safely say what's a magazine. <laughs> but the, the ambassador also, um, you know, gives uh, – rubs Worf's tummy a little bit by saying nice things about the fact that he killed the guy he killed. And, oh, yeah, that was fantastic because – It makes Worf – Genuinely happy for having dissed him a little bit in the beginning to Picard. Yeah, he then gives he throws uh, Worf a bone that I like the you know. I like the image of rubbing his tummy. Actually, you should go back to that <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> now I'm picturing Worf on the ground like a like a puppy, <laughs> making that little face, moving his arms and legs. Oh. Who's a good Worf? Yeah, who's a good Worf? <laughs> actually, though that that scene sort of falls into what I'm talking about, where. He says, you know, I'm, I'm glad you killed Duras. And he says, well, my, my motives were personal. And he says, motives? Who cares about motives? You killed him. Yeah. And that, nice job. Exactly. That nailed the character exactly what I liked about him was he was so yep. blunt. He, he, he was very you're, – you're right about it. It was great because he was both very Klingon but very ambassador. Yeah, because a Klingon ambassador you know, wouldn't his, be the I'm going to tear your heart out guy. He'd have to be right. a little smooth. Right. You have to like there's you have to be a specific type of person to be a Klingon ambassador yeah. and to make that character make sense yep. and he really nailed it. Absolutely. I quite liked that. All right, so my bad thing ties into Beeve's bad thing. That shadowy figure is Denise Crosby as her Romulan oh. rape baby. Yep. We're not supposed to know that yet. And she wasn't in the credits to their, you know, to their credit. They didn't actually put and Denise Crosby. It was it was kind of like, well, what's that? That sounds like Tasha. That can't and be it right. De- it definitely like it was definitely her voice. Yeah. But, and that's what I'm saying. Back in the day, I don't remember being familiar enough with it when I saw this to say, is that mm-hmm. Tasha? But I imagine some of the super fans were like, wait, that can't that doesn't make sense. How is that? Yeah. No, that must be something else. I mean, like, that's a that's a fuck of a like if they had end. I fully expected them to end with them revealing it was her. I I may be remembering this wrong, and we'll find out in a week or two. I don't mm-hmm. think they reveal her until Redemption Part Two. Mm-hmm. I think they continue doing the shadowy figure thing throughout Part One, and I don't think she's revealed until the the conclusion yeah. of it. Because I mean, as much as the character blows, and she does blow, and she's a terrible concept. That's a fuck of a good cliffhanger. It is. the The yeah. problem I have, and, and we'll talk about this more as we get there. She ruins so many otherwise good things. Yeah. This episode would have been great if it had been, I don't know, Tomalak or some other Romulan we never met before or something. But she's behind it. And then she's behind the Klingon Civil War. And then she's in the Spock episode. For Christ's sake, the Spock episode should be the, the high point of the whole series. Yeah. And she sailors it up. <laughs> Not great. So, yeah, that's... that's <laughs> you bred at our Spock episode. That is exactly right. <laughs> You got Data and Jordy in the morning, and then you got uh, <laughs> Britta the Romulan rape baby. There was there was one thing I, I thought about this uh, when we were about halfway through this episode mm-hmm. when um, when Jordy is like captured by the Romulans. It would have been nice to have seen his Romulan buddy from that episode last. Oh, Centurion Bakra. Yeah, that would have been awesome for him to show up. <laughs> you were typing in your notes, and you said Jordy's buddy. Who was it? And I just went in to type Centurion Bakra. Matt, duh. <laughs> How do you not remember that? That's I don't remember so much, but that's just one of those things that sticks in my head. But no, you, you're you right. Or 
they could have started with training him to kill that guy who was his friend yeah. or, you know, something, something like that. Okay, so they had him hooked up to the thing. They had the, the leads where his visor usually connects to connected to something. Yeah. I guess it makes sense that he's already got wires in his brain. So that makes him more receptive to this That's stuff. That's true. It would make it easier to get in there. But what I don't get is they're making him see things. He doesn't I mean, see things. I mean, they say they're making him see things. I would buy that much more as the way he experiences them through his visor. That could be. They could have explained that better. No, no, no. They said they were in his visual cortex. Yeah. They specifically mentioned or ocular, something something that had to do with eyes. Weird. And they're making him see things. He's never seen things. He's blind from birth. He's got the visor, mm-hmm. and we see Geordie vision all over the place. But he shouldn't see things like a normal person see things. That would freak him the fuck out. Yeah. By right. the way, it doesn't hold up with the Jordan... idea of just stimulating his uh, the ocular thing. Right. You know I mean, just just it, you, I agree with you. Yeah. What was that, Matt? Oh, just... sorry. The hell was I gonna say? God damn oh. it! <laughs> damn it! Damn it, beef! Oh, stop it! Talk, talk when you have things to say. We sort it out. <laughs> No, I I just but I mean that's a minor nitpick. I don't I don't care that much. I do like the way they described the torture and the the conditioning was actually pretty like for something they had to handle mostly off-screen in like 5 minutes. I thought they did a really good job of escalating it. Yeah. Where first they were torturing him and then they gave him pleasant things and then they tortured him again. Mm. And then we cut away for a while and we come back to the O'Brien thing and you realize okay, they've been doing this for a while. And I don't know about you, I found the Romulans in 10 forward incredibly jarring. Yeah, they don't belong here. What's going on? Like, they look so completely out of place. They're just these weird sort of silver squares. Yep. No, and I've said this many times. The Romulans are great, and after Redemption, they pretty much go away. Mm -hmm. Like, they've been built up as this great foe. And then they just, eh, we don't want to do them anymore. Let's do something else. You know what people like is the Borg. We'll go back to them. No, actually. A million times. This show only goes back to it two more times. Yeah. Uh, three if you count the two-part or twice. But it's, it, they, they, they knew that. They knew that that was a well they couldn't go back to. No, what they do is the fucking Maquis and, you know, a couple other things like that. And, uh, I mean, the Romulans are great. Why don't you keep using them? Such a good villain. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, the thing that bothered me, and Matt, I saw this in your notes, and Beav, I imagine you agree as well. Jordy just goes back to normal at the end. There's, yeah. a, there's a great scene with Troy where he's trying to sort out his memories, and it's kind of creepy. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, God, that's not what happened at all. This is what really – and it was great. But you know next week he's going to be fine again. Yeah. Yeah. That Like, you know, this is this is huge. This is his locutus. Yeah. This should be that big a deal Oh, to right. Him. Yeah. Like, he should be in therapy for years. Yeah. Over this. And, and again, serialization, you can't really do that. Maybe a line of dialogue every now and then. Well, Data, mm-hmm. I'm still dealing with this thing I did. That, that's yeah. all. That's all you have to do. You wouldn't have to do more stories necessarily. But no, next week he'll be fine. Yeah. And that's disappointing. I really, really liked that scene, actually. That was one of those rare occasions where Troy was being a good counselor. And it was a genuinely yeah. creepy scene where he's like, oh, my God, what did I do? And poor Jordy just looks devastated. Yeah, I think Burton played that really well where he's yeah. just like, but I remember. I, and he's like doing that thing where he hits his fist in his palm. But I remember huh. being there. I was, you know, she was there and I had the chocolate fountains and the, oh, God, that wasn't real at all, was it? It was there. I saw it. Yeah, it has happened. And Troy's just like, there were no chocolate fountains. <laughs> What will you talk to me about now? But no. but Jordy, people people reported seeing a guy who looks exactly like you on Rice. One hundred percent. Look, we saw this high resolution picture and everything. Nobody doubted it for a second. Oh, even Data was fooled. Oh. 
But I, I, I do like that when he's, uh, when, uh, uh, Troy is chasing him down the hall to yeah. find out just how late he got. Oh, that he God. does. He almost immediately brings up chocolate to her. Yep. Yep. Like, uh, well, how do I talk to audience. this woman? Uh, chocolate. That's all I can relate to you. That's <laughs> the only level I can relate to you on. No. Well, let's see. Your mother wasn't there, so I can't talk to you about that. You were absolutely right, Beef, though, that both, in both episodes, she's weirdly forward. Now, again, I think with Beverly, they're pals. That's different. That's people needling each other. She and Jordy yeah. have never had two words outside of their jobs, ever. No, I mean, they they're occasionally not personal talk. Friends. The, like, they play cards together, but that's about it. Yeah, but they're not personal friends. They don't talk about this kind of thing, certainly. No. I, I get yeah. Riker giving him a and wink, she maybe. Can't, she can't think he's the kind of person, the kind of character, who would talk about that no. in any company. No, I mean, no. he doesn't strike me as the kind who would turn to his buddy and do it. I mean, it's a fairly rare... Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he might ladies' man himself up a little bit in a weird way. You know, make mm-hmm. it seem like he's cooler than he is. Right. But um, he's not going to go, you know, I just boned this girl on Risa. No, he wouldn't. Especially since I assume Risa is the new Vegas, where whatever happens on Risa, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. I, you know, obviously you went to Risa. We know what you did on vacation. We don't need to hear about that. Mm-hmm. We're just glad it wasn't in a holodeck this time. Yeah. Or it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't with a holodeck this time. It could have been in a holodeck. <laughs> You're not having sex with a computer. You're having sex with hookers. But that's a step up, at least. <laughs> Look, we're getting somewhere, okay? Yeah. I, but I mean, I, I, she was really creepy, really forward, and just strangely, mm. you know, pushy about it. And I don't know where that came from. No, it's a very, it's. I, I still think it was a very ham-fisted way of sort of trying to drum home how, how, how much, how good the Romulan been, uh, thing was. How good, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. And it would have worked a lot better if we had any respect for her. Right. Yeah. We got a lot of Jordy vision in this episode, and I can't remember. Did, have we seen that before? We have. Oh, right. And they, the, yeah, they uh, do the one where Picard sees through it. Oh, yeah. right. Let's let's see what you see. Ugh, stop it. <laughs> but we got a lot of it this time, and I actually like the way it looks like. It's a very simple effect. Mm. But I like seeing the way he just sees, like, what it looks like to him, and it's kind of cool. Yeah. I still don't get how he sees screens. No. I still don't get how he can read pads and read displays. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> or why he has a poster in his room. Well, yeah. <laughs> In fairness, most people's quarters look like a blind guy decorated them, though. <laughs> Apart from Picard, as we've pointed out before, yes, nobody's quarters are really great. <laughs> uh, what the hell else happens in this episode? <laughs> there's a bit where, uh, you, you guys mentioned it before, where Worf is questioning them, and who who could do this? Well, me, O'Brien, Data. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and they mention where they are, and Jordy says, uh, well, I was in my quarters. Horse says, was anyone with you? And I just had to pause it <laughs> and fall out of my chair laughing. Yeah, okay, Worf. I just want to see Jordy give him a look. Yeah. Was anyone with What do you think? It was nice of him not to laugh out loud when he said it. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Well, it is Worf. He has good composure. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone but thought, Worf or Data had been doing that questioning, they would have been laughing their asses off. I have a dumb nitpick. Okay. Yes. Um, this is definitely when the they're talking about it. Yes. Yeah, th- when they're talking about when they're figuring out the mystery, mm-hmm. when, the, when the two of them are. And data is talking about things. You know how many how many um, civilizations, how many whatevers mm-hmm. can make this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, there's 200. And then Jordy is like, yeah, but think about it. Who has a motive to do whatever? And he's like, oh, the Romulans. I thought that was sloppy and it was a bit of a scientific, yeah. and and that's not the way. I don't think that. I mean, I guess maybe Jordy would work that way, but you can't. You know, well, what he said was, 
okay, data, that's it scientifically, but let's apply some common sense. His his thinking's right there, but then you're right. Yeah, that's a huge leap. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems like Batman us. It's a logic Yeah. Watching the show, we know that the Romulans are behind there doing everything, and they have a feeling that the Romulans are behind the scenes doing all this crap also. But that's that's potentially really huge repercussions if you just rule out continuing to look at it scientifically and go, must be these guys because, you know, they're douchebags. Well, but at the same time, I think that that then set them off on a different path where they then did further research and we were able to confirm, oh, yeah, so it is. Because what they were able to find was, oh, uh, these these phasers are actually too accurate because the Romulans are putting their batteries in them or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, I love that. Which actually I thought was a very cool little, you know, thing. Yeah. Like the Romulans are a little more advanced than we are on this and they made our phasers work better than they should and that's a tip off. Yeah, I, like let, I guess it let them start like starting at the last place they, they should look. Yeah, but it is look. it you is know, bad it let, science. It let jump to do it. It's bad science it's, to have a conclusion in mind before you start looking. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, and that that for some dumb reason stuck stuck out. To no, me. I, I could thought, see that, especially if you watched it several times. I thought I thought the the ambassador the Klingon ambassador was great. I thought the Klingon governor was pretty good too. He was yep. that scene near the end where. Uh, they they need to search for whoever has the transmitter that's setting Jordy off, and uh, yeah. the ambassador says, "I refuse to submit to a search." And the governor grabs him and says, "Oh, we'll conduct a search." And suddenly he turns to Picard. He's kind of panicked, and he says, "I, I, I request asylum." And Picard says, "Yeah, um, when uh, when when they've finished their search, you can have it. Bye." Yeah. <laughs> you Again, just recited my Picard. entire quote. I will cut this part out then. <laughs> I'm kidding. You didn't. Okay. You didn't. Good. <laughs> Another great fucking Picard moment. It really was. <laughs> yeah. And I love him uh, uh, grabbing the phaser. Yeah. No, that was that was fantastic. I, I just, I, I really liked the Klingons in this. And I think, again, building up to the Klingon Civil War, you're, you're starting to get a feeling that this all matters. It's not just two high houses that are fighting, but there's right. there's guys sort of at lower levels who, who have stuff at stake here. And, and you're invested in some of these characters now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a real war instead of just two, you know, effectively two rich, powerful families fighting. It's actually, you know, a big thing, which is yeah. much better, I think. And I, yeah. I love that. I love that in, in Next Gen. The, the Klingon stuff oh, and yeah. the Empire stuff is some just some of my favorite. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot so. of that is Ron Moore, who would go on to do DS9 and then later go on to do Battlestar Galactica. He basically created Klingons as we know them now. He mm. took bits and pieces from the original series and built it into something you know, very, very cool. And that that's pretty much his baby, and I think he did a great job with it. Yeah. Good job, Ron Moore. Yes. That's one we baby we you. all love. <laughs> Although now he's, <laughs> I think, trying to sell some kind of Harry Potter as a cop thing. or I don't know. The The last show that I saw that he was trying to pitch looked just awful. You know what? Harry Copper? He's, he's, got, oh, enough, uh, he's got enough pull with me that I'll wait until I see uh, it to judge. Did you see the end of Battlestar Galactica, man? I did see the end of Battlestar Galactica. I, he's still... He, all the Klingon stuff and all the DS9 still gives him enough pull. Very well. Actually, I think this episode was written by one of the DS9 guys. I think it was uh, Rene Echevarria. Is that yeah, how you yeah. say that? He wrote this one, which is, he's one of the main guys that, that would write over there. And uh, you could definitely tell because they did a lot of this intrigue stuff really well, too. Yep. That was uh, that was DS9's bread and butter. Yeah, it was. I quite like that. All right. Any further points? Uh, just a small one. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things in Jordy's in Jordy's quarters, there's also a pineapple next to his bed. <laughs> Maybe it's one of the. I, you probably never. It's a psych s- reference. Is it? <laughs> Sorry, I have no idea. <laughs> the, the TV show Psych. Right, right. right. Pineapple episode. Pineapple a thing? Yeah. Well, 
It's I couldn't tell you. I've never seen Psych. Right. We we see Jordy in his gym jams, and we see That's fetal true. position Jordy, which is the worst selling action figure they put out. <laughs> and it's one of those unposable action figures. He's just stuck in fetal position, and you can't exactly. move him in any other. Yeah. I really wish McFarlane Toys hadn't picked up the license to Star Trek. <laughs> God damn it! Listen, that guy's got to make up for a lot of money he spent on baseballs. <laughs> Take that, Todd McFarlane. Uh. I had something and now I've forgotten it. Oh, the pineapple. Never mind. Yes. Doesn't matter. It was a dumb joke and the moment's gone. Oh, I'm well, sorry. Right. God. <laughs> it's your fault, Beef. Damn it. I ruin everything. Yeah. Ruiner. All right. You got a quote for us? I do. It's <laughs> a, a Picard in the ambassador scene that isn't the cussing scene. It was my decision to invite you to accompany me, Captain. Many on the council have great respect for you. Hello. I have been pleased to offer occasional assistance to the Klingon people in the past. Your modesty is very human, Captain. I will excuse it. Very well. I like that guy. He was great. It was a good non-cussing scene. Yes, it was. It was. I thought the cussing one would be the obvious one to do, and I thought this was a good interaction. Plus, it highlighted the way the ambassador worked. Right. I mean, kind of him. And and Picard is just... <laughs> Picard's so great. You guys, I love Picard. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty fantastic. In all the episodes I see, I just think, man, that guy. I wish that guy was my dad. Everybody else is being crappy. Yeah. yeah, I wish that guy was my dad too. Yep. Then we'd be brothers if he was also. Oh your dad. yeah, so we would. Well, <laughs> brothers in Picard, BIP. We'll get tattoos. We'll get matching gym awesome. jams. <laughs> let's let's uh, let's tool around Emerald City in matching gym jams. No one will uh, no one will blink an eye. We should have this year, everyone in our group should have Starfleet Gym Jams. Yes, absolutely. And and there's different ones. You could have Riker's, like, open, like, hairy chest ones. You could have Picard's little tiny ones. You could have the ones Jordy was wearing. You know, you got a lot of, lot to choose from. The whole range. Yeah, yeah exactly. The Gym Jam section of their, uh, what you call it, of their PX or whatever is huge. Well, it's in the replicator, but it's still like a little catalog you, you thumb through before you pick one. Well, sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, that is all for this week. Next week, we are wrapping up season four with um, one of my favorite episodes, actually, when uh, Data goes on a date, which sounds really dumb when you say it like that, but it's actually a really sweet episode. If only the title of it were Data's Date. It's something similar, I think. But or just uh, date a. Uh... Oh, Lord. You're never coming back, B. I'm being erased now, aren't I? <laughs> Listen, that's that's at least as bad as Cupid. That's true. That, okay, yeah. Matt just saved you there. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy that. It's a nice light episode between this and then the, the payoff of the Klingon Civil War thing, which, as I've said many times, I think their part ones are fantastic. Their part twos, well, we'll deal with that when it happens. But we got two really good ones coming next week. As I've been saying lately, our uh, app and episode guide are available on postatomichorror.com. Check those out. Get them. And our uh, crossover with the Drunken Time Travel lads, the uh, the Doctor Who Star Trek uh, nerdiganza. I need a better word than nerdiganza, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't involve gasm. Well, yes, preferably. I, that was almost as bad as date, uh, but not quite. <laughs> anyway, our podcast crossover with those guys is happening very soon. This may be your last opportunity to send an email if you have any any comments, any questions, anything you want us to address on that crossover podcast at elgar.com or drunken time travel at gmail.com. We're really, we're really looking forward to that. We love those guys and, uh, should be a fun time. Yes. And that is all beef. Thank you for being here. And, uh, well, thank you. I kid, but we would love to have you back. 
Oh, I'd love that. And um, that's all. Uh, why don't you say a catchphrase? Because I'm not letting Matt say it anymore. I'm going to pee myself. <laughs> Good night, everybody. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.